What's going on, everyone? The date is May 25th, 2013, here at Free Admission, www.freeadmissionfr.com. Also on iTunes, my name is JP Nichols, here for the first time in a good while, I would say, on audio, on account of uh, several issues uh, pertaining to my computer, among other things, preventing me from bringing the lovely world of Impact Wrestling to you in an audio format. But I am actually not alone on this fair outing. I am joined by Ben Turpin. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. Getting over a sickness, but what a better way for you to come back than to come back and talk about Impact and TNA. And I have a lot of built-up, believe it or not, because I don't let wrestling get the best of me most of the time, but I think Bully Ray and Sting has just built up a lot of frustration and anger in me with TNA, and it's really come to a head the last couple times I've had discussions about TNA, so I'm really hoping it translates on this podcast, but... I'm not going to guarantee anything, but I'm doing really good, JP. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, actually, on note of TNA, I just experienced, uh, as of now, a little uh, a little over 24 hours ago, um, I probably what very well could be my last TNA show for a significantly long time after having uh, the one-night-only pay-per-view tapings in March. Unfortunately, I can't say the same thing, because they're going to be in Atlanta, what, two weeks? Yeah, but at the very least, you'll uh, probably get a more memorable show than what I got. So that's a question, but well, I mean, it's a fact. It's a fact that it's coming off of a pay per view, and then they're going to head towards Bound for Glory, the Bound for Glory series. You know, I I do feel like I wish we were like the third and the fourth show, or like the fifth and the sixth week after, Mm -hmm. because there seems to be that pattern of building that pay per view quality impact. And yeah. I'd be much more inclined if I thought I was going to get that show, which mm-hmm. I guess I would know going in, but I definitely know I'm not because it's the two weeks after Slammiversary, so maybe Saban will win the X Division title and that'll motivate me, or maybe I'll get a free pair of tickets, which I can't imagine will be too difficult, and I will be on my way to Duluth, not Atlanta, despite advertising. That really aggravates me, by the way. <laughs> Anytime anybody does that, any sort of promoting, you're not, yeah. like, it's okay to, I guess, promote, but like, on the advertising of where it says it is and the address, it says Atlanta, Georgia. It's not right. It's in Duluth, Georgia. Now, also, also this building where it's going to be at in Duluth, how many does it seat, to your knowledge? Over 5,500, maybe? Plus? Oh, okay. So Is that a lot? So, or no? Oh, no, I was just curious on account of the fact that it maybe certainly wouldn't. More. Maybe it's like 125 it certainly wouldn't be like the ten uh, percent of a building that was full, probably for. Uh, that sounds really low for WWE to run fifty five hundred. I think maybe twelve five sounds more accurate. Yeah, like uh, I mean, like uh, point being is the fact that like uh, for Tampa they had about fifteen hundred people. I would say. And what does the Sundome hold? Um, that's a good question. Actually, as far as like exact. The Gwinnett Center also host of Bound for Glory two thousand seven. It's his return trip. Yeah. Right, let's there, see. So. USF Sundome. Capacity 10,411. Home of the Royal Rumble 1995. Exactly, was, where Shawn Michaels won. Which was a big incentive for you just to go, was that. Yeah, which exactly. I don't blame you for that. But. Yeah, I mean, uh, it certainly it certainly was an improvement uh, attending this in comparison to going to NXT and seeing one Bo Dallas uh, get his biggest accomplishment to date. So... Bo Dallas. Yeah. Unfortunately, like, he's not part of TNA. Uh, 
Yeah, well, yeah. Um, perhaps, uh, perhaps uh, he can come in and join Wes and Garrett. They can be the new generation, the, the new new generation, if you will, as opposed to the new generation that, or excuse me, the next generation that was Brian Lawler, Eric Watts, and David Flair. Well, and two of those, well, two of those guys will be in a six-man anniversary, which we will talk about, and we're just going to talk about the state of TNA in general Indeed. after lockdown, which we watched together. Yeah. On an illegal feed. And I think you said before we were both sleeping through the show. I think we watched it in its entirety. We did. It's not easy. Um, the opener was fun. Uh, that was an uh, X-Division match. Uh, Kenny King, Christian York, Zayma Ion. Yeah, well, uh, generally it's kind of fun to watch people kill themselves. But... Yep. Uh, and that was for Kenny, well, certainly what Kenny King did in that match. Um, uh, Joe Park and Joey Ryan was a house show match on pay-per-view. Uh, Velvet and Gale House show was... matches on pay-per-view. Yep. <laughs> the standard for 2013 across the board. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Let's have yeah. a bunch of standard matches on pay-per-view and then just have a blow-away match on Raw. That would never happen. No, never ever happens, you know. <laughs> uh, what else was on that show? You had uh, Velvet having a Velvet Sky match on pay-per-view, a.k.a. a, a not-good match. The worst uh, wrestler in North America. I think that's being kind. It's... It's tough, honestly, <laughs> on account of the fact that it's like, she is insanely bad, but at the same time, it's like, I would rather watch her than other wrestlers, per se. Like, as an example, I would rather watch her than Bo. Well, it's, is it the enjoyability thing? It's like, at least Velvet's bad, so it's enjoyable? It, it's like a bit Part of that. Of yeah. Uh, probably that also. Or there's like, just people that you dislike more, which is understandable, um, too. Uh, there are people that I dislike more, but at the same time, considering the amount of time that she has been in the business, and for her to essentially yep. progress on a year-to-year basis, as opposed to even improve. Did, like, I, did I tell you about the argument I got in with somebody on Facebook about Velvet? And <laughs> basically it came down to them stating that there are late bloomers, and then he compared her to Edge. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Velvet <laughs> Sky compared to Edge. <laughs> and I'm not even the biggest Edge supporter in the world, but wow. wow. Um. Well, on uh, note of uh, you know, just late bloomers in general. Let's see. We had uh, West Briscoe and Kurt Angle on this show. West Briscoe, another late bloomer potentially. Am I right? Late uh, bloomer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> golly, this show. This show was not good. My God. I think <laughs> Wes Briscoe and his choice to be in that lockdown match is just the definition of where the state that TNA is in right now. Where it's like, all of the people that we could give a rub to in TNA on a big stage against Kurt Angle in a perceived big match in a cage, which I hate that. Well, there was only three cage matches on this show, so I, I gotta give them credit for that, right? Because one of my big pet peeves is there's really no reason for every match to be in a cage. Right. And I don't know what the buy rate did. But it's just um, Wes Briscoe. This is the guy we choose to go against Kurt Angle? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... Um, you, and you, told me, you, know, you told me that uh, you, ha- you uh, were at Hogan's Restaurant after the Impact tapings, or the live show and the Impact taping, and uh, I, was, uh, I, I referenced James Storm and Wes Briscoe hanging out because they were there, and I would have been just devastated because of James Storm clear disdain, just like everybody, like our entire group that was there, 
in his playoff list, which was fantastic at the one-night only shows. One of the highlights. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, if there's one thing Wes at least gave us, it was the fact that uh, his awful, awful ability, if you can even uh, call it that, uh, made for great enjoyment out of our hatred for him. Um, But really, the whole direction that TNA has gone in really stemmed from this particular show, considering that this is where Bully Ray turned heel in the main event, won the world title, and then we've just been in a bit of a... I guess the word I would use to describe it would be a rut for the last two months, because it's like... Everything is just sort of spinning in place, at least I felt like that, and it's like... With uh, this upcoming pay-per-view, which is a week from Sunday, uh, we have Sting and Bully Ray in the main event, and it just comes across as such a filler main event to me to get to the grander picture that is Bound for Glory. And yeah, this is where you have the pay-per-view argument, because in theory, I mean, they don't really need 12, because there's just too many filler shows. But mm-hmm. is four not enough? Do you need six? I mean, I've seen that thrown out there just because... I mean, and it feels like they need six just because they don't know how to handle TV in between. Yeah, or at least if they were able to get, like, clear-cut, established dates of, like, TVs that would be, like, uh, essential TV pay-per-views, it might be better. But they just don't seem to be able to plan that out to an extent, I suppose you could say. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would be too difficult to just cordially, like, plan and say that this date, like, right now, two months two months out, and, like, title and impact and say this is going to be, like, the pay-per-view impact. Yeah. Essentially. Without saying pay-per-view, of course. Yeah, of and course just give not. it some lame title. Or you could just uh, call it a pay-per-view name. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, in the know, meantime... We talked about that with the, uh, I guess, when we were doing Dark Audio, we talked about kind of, uh, say, they played off that on impact, the X Division title shot going for the world title. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's something they could do. Yeah. Destination X Impact. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, they can't all be some of the random uh, shows that they actually gave subtitles to back in the day, such as uh, July 2011, Midsummer's Nightmare, <laughs> which was uh, the impact after Are those Destination listed X. on Wikipedia, by the way, by season? Um, Please tell me it is. Wait, what are we referring to? Well, TNA's, like, it's titled in seasons with Spike, right? And they yes. were doing all those subtitles. Like, every oh, week had a subtitle. Oh, oh, like, is oh, it listed the... in season format on Wikipedia? That I do not know. I that mean, but this... Be, but... That would just be the best. Like, that would be the podcast. Us going on there and reading down every single one. But this particular show, at least, was called Midsummer's Nightmare. That wasn't, like, the subtitle. That was, like, the actual name for the impact. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which was rather amazing. But now you have me very curious to go and <laughs> look up some of these them listed in seasons. I know as well that you all actually talked about, uh, you and uh, TJ, that is, about the LOL TNA page that is out there that I've actually contributed to. Have you? Yes, actually. So it's not like one person. No. No, I've actually written stuff for that. <laughs> okay, we were, uh, afterwards, we briefly discussed the Sting, Abyss, Jim Mitchell feud. Does that sound right? The Last <laughs> Rides match? That section? Or that that, that whole section? And, that... And, and, and then there was one, and th- of course this would be the one to get me over all the other ones, but it was like, Matt Morgan was involved, but we don't actually know what his involvement actually was. Sounds like anything Matt Morgan's been involved in. His entire career. 
<laughs> like, What's uh, he doing on the pay-per-view? Is he on it? That's another thing with no, them currently not. is the fact <laughs> that they have like they have some guys that they are like trying to push and then because they the have a cycle and, it's like... and then they have a cycle of guys that it's like like is as an example on lockdown? Uh no. Neither, he was not. And then they also have like a guy like Rob Terry as an example, who they've randomly been trying to push here and there. Yeah. And he was not on this TV at all. Yeah. Like I just can't exactly explain it. What can I say? Oh, now you have me <laughs> now you have me going through this uh LOL TNA page now. Looking for now, some if you start on this, you know this podcast is gonna go way too long. Oh. So you have to be very careful. Uh, yes. Uh, 2007 was certainly the year that I mainly contributed in terms of writing for it. <laughs> Just talk about some of the programs. Or some uh, the, of the ideas. Uh, oh, some of the ideas for, uh... Yeah, well, pro- wasn't there, like, like, labels, like, the match programs, and then, like, they would be broken down into, like, subcategories? Isn't that what it's like, essentially? That's the section I saw. I mean, I've seen it before, but, you know, my memory... Oh, well, they have, like, a whole section here. Vince Russo returns again. Oh, I see. Okay. They have one section simply yes. dedicated to Lockdown 2007. <laughs> <laughs> was they that have the uh, Philly show? No, that was 2009. Uh, I was in attendance for that one. That actually. was the one with the CCW cage? Uh, no, that's 2007. Okay, from St. that's Louis. what I was thinking. I was thinking Philly, CCW... That had okay. the blindfold cage match and the electric cage match. <laughs> Where there was a brief fire Russo chant during that electrified cage match. And I'm going to warn everybody that's watching Evolve next weekend, if we get some dud finish with Gargano and Del Sol, there will be a fire Russo chant. <laughs> and it will be, if you can't find where it's coming from, just know it's me. <laughs> oh boy, and that, we also have a gif here of Awesome Kong eating chicken from the Thanksgiving edition of Impact. Is that when AJ had to wear a suit? A turkey suit. <laughs> only, a, only a month before he had to wear a reindeer suit as well. Well, hey, that kind of brings us uh, to the present. And AJ Styles, yep. his, uh, his return in his uh, outcast loner ways, I guess. Yes, it is uh, his very wacky haircut. He's got like a... <laughs> he's got That's like a haircut. part of the new AJ. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's like somewhat like a bowl... That is uh, a bowl that has not been washed or cleansed for quite some time. But at the same time, he has a beard that is uh, perfectly well-kempt and uh, it actually looks like it's been shaved a few times. So Yes, it has been trimmed. So it's like uh, kind of a bit of a mixed bag here. I feel like I'm the only one not interested in this because I, was, I, will, I would be lying if I said I didn't watch the segment on Impact. And I think everybody saw it coming from a while away. And we talked about it after... Or, previously before we started the podcast that it just like and everything in wrestling does but have been there done that in terms of like the outsider who has no alliance and everybody saw it come in what did he beat him with a crowbar um a bat uh, a bat remember bat i believe oh even more convenient been there done that let's use a bat well. it's like they want me to draw parallels <laughs> um but yeah i'm just i don't know and AJ's going to slow his... He's going to tone his style down now, which, granted, he's older. He should, probably I mean, should, but... Well, he really has done that the last couple of years, anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, but like, I feel like uh, even more so now, but... 
Like, uh, well, I mean, he's gonna change it to, like, be a bit more fitting of his character, I suppose. Like, uh, you know, he's not gonna try and do the moves that will, uh, you know, get major pops out of the audience, necessarily. get people excited to watch him. <laughs> yeah, that will make people want to, uh, invest themselves into him. Right, and, I uh, mean, uh, you know, it's not like I'm exactly gonna get excited for him and Mr. Anderson, but... Yeah, which was the pairings that he's going to have, but he is facing Kurt Angle. Never mind that that match happened five years ago at Slammiversary. Yeah. Now, most pairings that AJ is going to have, or most pairings Mr. Anderson is going to have. Well, both, really. I mean, <laughs> that's just the state of the roster, really. Yeah, it's like every pairing, like even Angle and AJ, which is always good. It's like, you know, there I, was a there was a picture you showed me like right before we came on here about no fucks given, and it's like. It'll be the same match that it was five years ago. It won't be as good. At the very least, with this one, more often than not, they, when they have done that match, it was uh, usually with AJ as the face, Angle as the heel. Granted, they have done it like once or twice. With, what is it uh, now? Tweener versus face? I suppose we could say that, yeah. I mean, so it's at least got like a somewhat of a different dynamic different going for it. enough. In that sense, but, you know, I don't necessarily think that it will make a big difference in terms of the match quality. Um... On that note, I suppose we should uh, just Talk go through the anniversary. Yes. Yes. Uh, coming uh, coming to you live on pay per view a week from tomorrow. And I guess uh, there's technically spoilers on here. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a uh, one or one basically one match that has not. Uh, not that anybody would care. <laughs> no, probably not. Especially for this match, uh, <laughs> to say the least. I don't know if there's you one can person. Start with that match, seeing as. Uh, it's may not as well. listed on the page. So. Because uh, 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 for the I mean, for again once again spoiler warning, uh, next week's Impact uh, we get uh, Magnus who was supposed to wrestle Garrett Bischoff. It went ended up going to a no contest uh, because uh, Luke Gallows uh, Doc and uh, West Briscoe decided to attack Magnus, and this caused Samojo to run out and uh, basically just point out the fact that all three of them, you know, are very lame trying to attack uh, Magnus, and uh, this all stemmed from uh, the three of them trying to corner Dixie Carter and potentially do harmful things towards her. But uh, Joe came out and was basically like, you know, oh, well, now you three are going to have a problem with us. Uh, anniversary, you're going to be facing me, Magnus, and returning Jeff Hardy, who has not been on TV since he had his Full Metal Mayhem match with Bully Ray, I believe at the very beginning of April. Could be wrong. So this will be his big return match to uh, to TNA at Slammiversary in a six-man tag. You talked Wait. about Aces and Eights cornering Dixie. That happened? Yes, that happens on next Thursday. And I know show. we're on a podcast, but like... And I'm gonna have it like this for most of the podcast, but I have my head and face firmly in my palm right now. <laughs> well, I mean, well, what's more face palm worthy, this or the Dixie Carter action figure? I believe I've heard about that, and, they're well, that one's more worthy, the figure. Have you read the back of the description of this action figure? TNA they Legend? But no, where they actually oh. call her one of the most influential women in sports entertainment. Oh, that's even better. I was thinking Teenage Legend. Like, I didn't know what it said, but... It was something fantastic. along those lines, at least. The most influential woman in sports entertainment? That would be the best. Or Just one of the most. Let's see if I can find this action figure. Well, I I'm wonder, trying to... I wonder, I wonder who's been influenced by Dixie Carter. I mean, I've been influenced... I feel like I want to be under the influence when I watch... 
anything uh, she's ever done with the product. Perhaps Claire Lynch was influenced by Dixie Carter. After all, Dixie did try to help her get off drugs until it was revealed that the whole thing was a schmoz. Well, that was going somewhere, and that was what it was going for. D- or didn't they cut that short? I yeah, they, they did. Like, they had yeah. this big elaborate plan, supposedly, <laughs> and then it just was a schmoz. Of course. Why yeah. not? The only way it can be. I am trying to find this action figure. This action figure is marvelous, honestly. Well, if you haven't seen it, I mean, I'm sure, you know, if you're listening, you can Google Dixie Carter action figure and find it. But, yes. uh, yeah, the sixth man is a match. Wes Briscoe and Garrett Bischoff are involved. And who's the third? Luke Gallows. Luke Gallows. Well, there's at least one redeeming quality on that team. And then Joe, Hardy, and who's the third? Magnus. Magnus. Magnus, who, according to Dixie Carter, is the future of TNA. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, well, uh, it's very easy to be the future when you're booked in the same position for the, like, the last how many years now? <laughs> you mean everybody on the roster? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, in fairness, they, uh, they did have a couple things going right in that sense last year, but unfortunately they've gone back to square one. Oh, here's the action figure. Uh, the exact quote is, Called one of the most influential women in American sports, Dixie Carter's role. Dixie Carter's role at president of TNA Wrestling has helped during, uh, helped change the fate of sports entertainment. Well, sports entertainment being evolved is makes it the best. <laughs> that was very appropriate. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so this six-man tag, though, it is a match. I feel like it's a complete waste of Joe. to get those guys on the show. Yep, exactly. And, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, at least they did an angle to set it up, though, right? So, yes. So it's not words, completely random. Uh, Speaking but, of random, uh, next match. Oh, Jay Bradley, Sam Shaw? Yep. Gut check. Uh, this, is, uh, this is from a tournament, actually. Where they had some... No, no. They actually had, um, not this past week, but the week before, they had Jay Bradley versus Christian York on TV. Oh, on TV? I hope they release, like, a DVD compilation of it. <laughs> These are, uh, they're having a gut check tournament where the winner of that match and the winner of the Sam Shaw-Alex Silva match that ended up not happening on account of the fact that apparently Alex Silva showed up late to the show which is why that match did not happen in Tampa, Florida on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> so I missed out on that wonder uh, that wonder of a match. But uh, regardless of that, the winner of this Jay Bradley and Sam Shaw match gets to be a part of the Bound for Glory series, which is, without a doubt, Jay Bradley's match to win. And I have to say, at least I'm intrigued to see what exactly Jay Bradley does, but the problem, the fact of the matter is that they will probably just you know, uh, well, like how I just talked about with Magnus, you know, they may start to push him for a bit, and then they will just decide not to anymore. I think Sam Shaw should win, just because he's not going to, I feel, but he would be different than everybody else. That is true. Limit, probably. Especially- to, and that's my big problem with Jay Bradley, and we talked about it on Dark Audio, it's just, he's, his mold and the way he wrestles is just so similar to a majority of the roster Granted, that's a big problem with TNA across the board, but 
and it just feels like everybody in Aces, like in, we talked about, it, he was originally going to be in Aces and Eights, or that was like an idea or a thought. Mm-hmm. And do we really need another Luke Gallows or Mike Knox? Yeah, well, and it's like, who do you want to see Jay Bradley wrestle? Oh, I want to see him wrestle Austin Aries and Daniels. Yeah, pretty That's much all that it you know for anybody. Or, or is it just a matter that you want to see Sam Shaw win so you can see more of his uh, wacky uh, bathing suit tights on TV? His his young. Somebody compared him to a young John Cena. I do not. I think know it's because I... of his sneakers, right? He wears sneakers when he wrestles. Yes, yes, he does. Okay, well, I don't know. If, if he if he if he wears some, uh, I'm trying to think of an appropriate uh, color scheme that would uh, get me excited, but <laughs> I'm not expecting that. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is now, not this is a show that they've had three months to build now, two months, yes, three months, yes, whatever. This is one of the matches. I'll just say that. Yeah. And uh, we actually glossed over one match, uh, which they have at least built since the last pay-per-view. Uh, Gil Kim versus Taryn Terrell. Um, all I can really say about this is Gail is a great worker. She has managed to uh, have some tolerable matches out of Velvet Sky on TV in the past two months or so. Like, by attempting to bring her to okay performances. And I will also say about Taryn Terrell... She is immensely better than Velvet Sky in the ring. Not that that is at all hard to do. Uh, I feel like this is an accomplishment that Jackie Gata could also potentially do in 2002. You could never step in the ring and you'd be better than Velvet. Anybody yes. listening? Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> and you neglected last knockout standing match, of course. I mean, well, the problem is, I mean, it's like they they have talked about this, but on the graphic on their website, they do not have this gimmick listed. I see. That was so, just thrown in my face all days, like by three people. That this is going to be a last knockout standing, so I had to mention it. But yeah, like it's well, that been would like kind of be a bummer if it wasn't. That's it'd like be like the most it, intriguing factor. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it, it would make sense in the sense of that's what Gail's thing has been for like the last month or so, where she has been attacking many women and uh, attacking their leg, so therefore they can no longer stand. That okay. is the punchline. Okay, you may have to correct me here. These two had a match in April, right? Uh, these, uh, yes, they did. On and TV. Taren won? In like two minutes or so, yes. Okay, but so it'd be Taren... a fruit roll-up. Okay, Taren goes over Gail Kim in a fruit roll-up in April. Mm-hmm. And then Gail Kim goes on a Warpath of Destruction to set up the rematch? Um, out of like venting and frustration, yes. And she, uh, Taren was one of the people that was attacked. But like, she already beat her. Yes. In the first match. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like, what am I watching here? Um, well, you're just seeing uh, Gail acting like a witch uh, towards uh, Taryn, and Taryn has since, in backstage segments, attacked Gail, and she wants to uh, put Gail in her place. Okay. Like, Boy. decisively this time. Decisively. Opposed... There, there, there's the, that's what I needed to hear, the decisive factor. As opposed to uh, managing to just get, get lucky, the lucky by... Win. Having Gail slip on a banana peel. Which, so literally, it's too bad she didn't. <laughs> that would have been an amazing finish, actually. <laughs> I would be more open to this match had she actually slipped on a banana peel. <laughs> it would have certainly been more intriguing. But this should be... The, the, the gimmick just sounds like it's going to make it awful. But 
<laughs> awful in a fun way, though. You know, I we should have talked about Extreme Rules. Because they did a last man standing match, right? It was last man standing, right? Right back. John Cena, right back, yes. That match just lacked any psych. Like I don't say this often. That match lacked any resemblance of psychology. It's weird. Yeah, they, it was just two big guys exchanging it was just moves. Like, move, count, move, count, move, count, move, count. It was almost like the I Quit match, where it became overly obnoxious. The lack of psychology in comparison to the referee constantly asking Del Rio and Swagger if they want to give up on every single move. Yeah. We're talking about Tina, though. Last, oh. last neck outstanding, so. Uh, well, well, I mean, perhaps uh, perhaps Gale and Taryn can manage to uh, implement more into this than Cena and Ryback did. I'm sure I will. actually would give Gale I'm that sure credit. I'm sure, I, I, I imagine they will. Because <laughs> and Gale has been for a month and a half, two months now, been going after everyone's knee mm-hmm. two or three girls yeah and she'll do that here and give him credit for that whether I want to see it or not is another thing but oh. well as far as matches that you do want to see I can tell you that it's probably this one TV title match Devon defending against Joe Park oh god I thought you were going to talk about the three way I was like yeah you're right and then no not <laughs> this, one. this match happened in January um yeah it happened in January I don't I mean, I got nothing. But uh, I that show, we talked about lockdown, sleeping through it. January is maybe one of the worst pay-per-views of all time. And, it, you know, everybody's heard my spiel about how I feel about wrestling in general now. And when I always say, because any opportunity I've had, like the last two months, I will say that TNA is the worst that it's ever been. Because it's not good enough to be enjoyable, and it's not bad enough to be enjoyable. And that pay-per-view, and matches like this, Devon and Joseph Park, like, there's a reason for it happening, and I'm sure it's a perfectly acceptable, fine storyline. The television title's on the line. And it's going to change here. And it's going to change hands, so it's, like, important I'm... because the TV title, like, when was like It didn't even change hands. Devon just went away, right? Or, um, no, somebody won it. No, no, he won it from Samoa Joe. Like, uh, Devon... he vacated he, it, right? He vacated it, then they had a brief little tournament that ended up with Joe beating Anderson to win the TV title. And then Joe dropped it to Devon in December. And Devon. And it's actually it the Legends title. It's not even the TV title. Does um, it say the Legends title on it, or does it actually say television? Oh no! Title? It is. It is the TV title. Does it? Yes. It's the red one though. That was formerly the Legends title, right? It was formerly the Legends title, which was then formerly the Global title. Okay, the Global title, and that and was then, only when Rob Terry held it. Yes, and then once AJ, <laughs> excuse me, won it from Rob Terry, it became the TV title. Well, you probably know a lot more about this match than I do, but... Um... So I really have nothing to say. It is mostly just the fact that Joe Park is now getting some more, uh, bigger chance of revenge, uh, against Aces and Eights, and, uh, with that, he was going to take their one, uh, well, their, one of their only two pieces of gold that they have, and the main thing going into this is basically the fact that recently Abyss showed up and cleaned house on Aces and Eights, and they actually indicated on TV this week uh, that uh, Sting is actually somewhat aware of the fact that he knows that Joe Park and Abyss are the same guy. So that is really the main question going into it is how... Abyss was on TV like two weeks ago, right? Yes. To a big pop. Yes. Okay. At least, I don't know if I'd call it a big pop, but at least some ovation at the very least. Just had to clarify. But, uh, yeah, I mean... uh, 
I personally, myself, I mean, it's no secret, I could go without ever seeing the Abyss character again. I feel like uh, the Joe Park character, I mean, well, certainly not exactly uh, much in terms of uh, in-ring action, I suppose is the way of putting it. Uh, from an enjoyability factor, he usually makes it much more fun to watch. Like, the crowd usually finds him to be, like, one of the easiest people to get into because of uh, the nature of his character. And I find that to be a much more redeeming quality than any Abyss match in the last three or four years, probably. So I, I know typical ROH fans are going to hate me, and probably you, but, like, Joseph Park, I'm, just, I'm over it. Like, I've the- been over it for a while. Like entirely. Well, well it's. Uh, I feel like it just it's, feels like they were, they were going somewhere with it, and then it's just been at that same place for like four months now. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is the fact that it's, it's just been stagnant. It's almost like Abyss was injured, and they were like waiting for him to come back. It's the same guy, though. Like I'm just giving them credit. Is that's what it feels like? They were just stalling until he could come back, or until maybe they. Maybe it was a timing thing. Maybe they wanted to do it specifically at this time for this show to set it up, but that doesn't make the last last three months of his character or his matches any more intriguing or something that I would want to see. But Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. And it, I mean, look, it doesn't help the people that are around him. And that's like there's a lot of individual things in TNA that are fine. But when you talk about the entire climate and everything that he's consistently involved in, it just it brings it to like a certain level and it's just that worst level possible of just like you know <laughs> yes I mean and uh, it's unfortunate for a lot of these guys on the roster because they are they do have like yeah, a few I, guys. I like a lot of people on the roster but at the same time I just there's a lot of bland people on the roster too many for me yeah but uh, at minimum, what can be, one thing that can be said is in the next match is that the majority of the people that are not bland are all put into one match. The tag, title, tag team title match, which is an elimination match between Chavo and Hernandez defending against Bad Influence versus Rude and Aries versus James Storm and his new tag team partner, Gunner. Gunner. Gunner, that's right. I guessed him right, too. You asked me to, uh, you gave me three guesses, I believe, and I guessed uh, Gunner on the first one. Tightman did on the second one. Okay. Who was his first choice? I believe the first one was Sharkboy. I could be wrong. Wow, so he was pretty close. Yeah. Like, so, uh... If only he would have went Sharkboy, Robbie E. Gunner. Yeah. Very appropriate. Yes. Um, but, uh, this is actually probably... Probably second most. Second most for me. Anticipated. I was, was going to say, uh, very least, top three. I mean, uh, by substantial margin. Yeah, there's but a he, pretty big gap there. Yeah. I like feel it, like, in terms of anticipation, not anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's like truly a polar opposites in the spectrum. Which we should do that. We should do our anticipation chart, but live in a podcast form. Yeah, I could do that. Um, so we'll wait till after. Yeah. Uh, but, like, uh, the only issue with this match is the fact that... Uh, um, and at least excluding Storm and Gunner's team, the other three teams have wrestled every week. Yeah, <laughs> every Literally. single week for six months. Yes, and it's also the fact that uh, the best pairing possible out of these teams has only done so once, and it ended in a. And they needed a special ref. 
lame ending. Yes. And they needed a special ref because they didn't think they could do the heel-heel dynamic. Yeah. And the thing is, the matches have never gotten better. It's the same match. It doesn't matter if it's a tag match, it's a singles match, it's a mixed tag with women involved. It's the same damn match every single time. It sort of reminds me... I mean, it, it seems like it's a problem among, like, a lot of the companies right now. Yeah, into, pro wrestling in general. It's one of the... In my opinion, one of the big... People don't know how to work different types of matches, it feels like. Like, like as an example, uh, New Japan with the Forever Hooligans versus uh, Time Splitters seemingly having, like, the exact same match for, like, I don't even know how many pay-per-views now. Wow, and that's but, New Japan. So, like, yeah. you, like, jump to the top of, like, the, you know, IWC Love Fest... Yeah, exactly. Area, so to speak. And that's not knocking New Japan as a company, but it's just like... I mean, you're talking out. about a lot of incredible workers there. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, like, let alone stemming down to, like, US NDP uh, scene, which is what I focus a lot more on. I think this is maybe the territory where I think maybe I would say there's that area where a lot of people make the point that the guys now just aren't as good and they weren't able to progress because there was that crop that just left before, like, this crop that's in place now was able to really uh, get the rub from them and learn certain things. I don't think that's it. I just don't think there's a concerted effort to have different types of matches. And it was like I was watching uh, some random ROH show, and Aries and Roddy and Hero and Claudio were, like, on a random throwaway Friday show. Black Friday Fallout. I think I talked to you about this. And that hardcore match, not only was it a hardcore match, but it was just, like, so different. And, like, they had a series of matches around that time. And I guarantee you, every match was unique and different. And mm-hmm. now, it's just every match is so repetitive and the same. And, like, the same idea, the same sequences almost. And that spot where both guys do, like, one guy does a super kick, then the other guy does a lariat, and they're both down, and the crowd's supposed to get hyped. It's just the same formula. And then it's like I see somebody like Roddy, who is obviously very tenured and seasoned, and him, and I always use this as an example when this conversation comes up, him and Eddie from Death Before Dishonor 9, that first fall in that match, what was it called, the Ringmaster's Challenge, mm-hmm. was so different than anything else that ROH did that entire year. They were on the mat for 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah. It's like, I don't think it was ever phased out. It was just like the guys stopped doing that. And mm-hmm. variety is so important. And Gabe, I will give say this. He has made a concerted effort. Like, his shows always feel like there's variety. ROH, and like, it's... This is... I should probably be careful doing this with ROH because I was very vocal against Cornette. And I think it's a different case of, like, the gear change in terms of, like stylistic difference up and down the card. With Cornette, I thought he toned down a lot of the undercard too much, and guys were just having basic matches. In ROH right now, there's just, like, one gear. It's, like, one style of match. It's, like, why isn't there any... Why isn't there anything different? It's, like, you would only think there's, like, one style of wrestling. If you watch PWG and ROH, it's, like, there's one style... That's not how wrestling works. There's a lot of different ways to work. And it's just frustrating when you look at it like that in both of those promotions, and PWG especially. Like, well, that's the one... And nobody really has really said it out loud, but... But, granted, I mean, PWG has different goals, different objectives, and maybe ROH has that objective of doing that, but variety, very important. Different types of matches, very important, especially when you're going to do 100 rematches. 
It's especially like notable when you can like point out like clear examples of uh, shows uh, that are like typically like called some of the best of all time, and how they all have like a major, uh, major variety on the on the show. So, well, I mean, like, best example, Final Battle of Six. I think that's uh, the best example, personally. I, well, I was going to say that would be one that I would use. Uh, I mean, obviously, a more mainstream one to use would be like Backlash 2000. Yeah. Like, like that's one that's always stuck out to me in terms of like having something for everybody on the show. But uh, unfortunately, I mean, uh, for whatever reason, a lot of wrestlers just or a lot of uh, wrestling does not like to really go too much out of that realm now. Yeah, and it's just like you know, I say that maybe the guys aren't good enough, but there's enough guys that are in certain promotions that should be able to make that, you know, should be able to, like, make a different, you know, do something different. It's like Davey Richards, I think it's a standard, too. Like, it's an expectation that, like, ROH is, like, especially now, like, I mean, it's hard, I don't want to talk about, you know, like, oh, what ROH used to be, but there's this idea of, like, what ROH is and, like, this certain style and it's like, that's the objective in every match. But that's not what ROH used to be. Even though, in theory, I think that's their thinking process in ways. Is that what's, what ROH used to be? And with PWG, I mean, I guess at least they do hardcore matches now. So there's a there's a difference. And, and ROH has to, uh, to be fair. But Yeah, I mean... So that's, the one, that's the one break in the consistency. And at the very least, I mean, with this match that stemmed the whole discussion that we've just had, it is an elimination match, so it should end up going a decent amount of time, and hopefully it ends up being a very high-quality match among uh, among everybody involved. Yeah, I feel like the four-way elimination, I'm not sure if that'll, the elimination factor, I'm not sure if that'll help or hurt the match, because I feel like sometimes with these matches, it's like, they'll still give it the same time slot they would if it was just... A single fall, and mm-hmm. I think that hinders the match sometimes. Um, but with that said, I mean, hopefully, you know, if it gets fifty, like you can pace the falls in a fifteen-minute match and make it work. But um, yeah, I mean, it's easily one of my most anticipated on the show. Um, I've seen these teams wrestle a hundred times again, so it's just going to be business as usual in terms of my like excitement going in. But it'll be a good match. There's no denying that. And then uh, the next match of the show, X Division title match, Ultimate X, uh, Kenny King versus and Chris Ultimate Sa- X, by the way. Yes, yes. Why not? Um, a Kenny King versus Chris Saban versus Suicide. Suicide, much like Sting challenging for the belt, Suicide. In that, here's a character from 2008, and or when was his character? 2008. Initially, 2008, and... It's like we're right back there. Suicide. And his identity, I think it's even more frustrating. I think it would be okay if it was like a crap worker. Like if it was Wes Briscoe under suicide, I think I could get some comedic value out of that. Mm-hmm. But it's TJP, and TJP is really, really good. Yeah. And uh, this is my most anticipated match. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you were going to go with AJ Angle or this one, but I was pretty sure it was this one. Yeah. Um, with that said... I don't think any... Okay, Saban, he's been in a lot of these, and Kenny King's been in, what, like two now? In the last year? Two or three? Two. Two. Uh, 
these aren't the types of workers that should be in this match. And I know that's not fair, but they just shouldn't be. Well, Saban especially, considering his injuries. Well, I would say especially, T- well, TJP can be a high flyer, but Kenny King especially, and Saban when you talk about the injury factor. But I think Saban would be the most comfortable and, I don't want to say likely to work this match, because I'm not sure if that makes sense, but he just has the most history in it, so I think I can see him in that mold more. Mm-hmm. But realistically, I don't think any three of these should be in this type of match. Yeah. And then again, what is an Ultimate X match? Like, what is your ideal... I mean, it's spots, right? So you want to get guys that can do flips? I mean, I um, think... Yeah. Basically. And it's okay to have a... Ba- that's kind of like the lockdown match. That's why I was so critical of that. It just felt like there was three bases. And it's like, okay, if you do an Ultimate X match and you have one base and two high... But it just doesn't feel like there's a real high flyer here to really make the match over the top, which is so important to make the match work, I think. I feel like uh, that's going to... It's supposed to be, at least, uh, suicide. Yeah, TJP, you mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. And TJP under mask, by the way. I mean, TJP is very talented, and uh, he gets thrown under suicide character. Very yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, but at the very least, he is getting paid for it. Yes, he is getting paid, he's getting work, which is not something he's been getting a lot of recently, which is his own fault. Uh, from all accounts, but... And, but, oh, you know, we had our previous conversation, TJP's the perfect example when it comes to PWG. So is Willie Mack. These guys, by default, are different, and they're going to make the matches different than, like, everything else on the show, even if they try to work that same style, just because they are different, and they either don't do enough moves, or they just don't get booked. But, yeah. I digress. Um... A note of, I mean, a topic. This will, I mean, you know, talking about how they're not the right guys for this match and whatnot. Everything with the X Division has just been a bit of a mess, putting it lightly. And And then, I mean, and then, like, the fans told the company they want Jigsaw. They told them. I mean, he was far and away the most over person at Destination X. I wasn't at the Impact. I don't think you were either. But he seemed very over at the Impact. And... He was was he on the one night extravaganza? Yes, he was in the Ultimate X. It was him, Scorpio, uh, Kenny, and Zima. I need to see that. Presumably, he was over there too. Yeah. Uh, yes. yes but I mean, was. he was very over at Destination X, and that's what I'll use. And I mean, I thing is like I don't even necessarily designate him as like a spot guy necessarily, but it's just like the crowd told them what they wanted, and then they just there's no effort there. To, to use him and to I don't know but go ahead with your point you were gonna oh well it's just mainly the fact that they in addition to things such as that um this triple threat concept that they have going on and uh are you familiar with the X cam the on the referee yeah from like his like eye vision or like head I don't yeah. know yeah where I haven't seen it but I read about it. Or it makes him look like he's wearing a very fancy hat when in reality oh, it's a camera. Oh, he's actually wearing a hat? Yes. Oh boy, that sounds awful. <laughs> I do not think that they played it up on TV last week, so... Bad, bad, bad idea. Just, yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. It's, hey, let's get creative. It's pro wrestling. We gotta be creative because everything hasn't been done. It's There's, there's new stuff to do, but it's very stupid most of the time. Uh, and what better way to talk about new things than to cap off the show? The top two matches. 
with our main well I was going to oh, say we already talked about that so yeah fair enough with the our main yes oh, but that would be apropos too but with yeah. the main event of the evening Bully Ray and Sting in a no holds barred match for the TNA title where if Sting loses he cannot wrestle for the TNA title ever again if only that stipulation had been in place like six Four, years ago uh, five, six, yes, six would have been... When was six. the first time he headlined? I mean, Bound for Glory 07, which I was there for. He uh, that. The one before, though, right? Bound for Glory 06. Which was Jarrett, and that was in Orlando? Uh, no, this was one in Michigan. Okay, I should have known that. What did he do in 05? That was uh, Orlando, he, he right? was He was not a, in the company at that point. Okay. Um, See, yeah. you, should take, you should take a lot of... Uh, credibility in my opinion when I don't even know when Steen came into the company but um or was in the company or not in the company but uh yeah so 06 he was in the main event of that Bound for Glory and then he was in the main event of 06, 7, 8 then it gets uh, fuzzy for me 9 uh, no, uh not 2010 not 2011 but he was in the Slammiversary main events those years uh yes he was in the Slammiversary main event for 2010, 2011 and 2012 so, essentially, you're talking about the two biggest shows for TNA every year, and since 2006, he's headlined them. Yeah. Ratings right now, as of last week, I know that this week did like a 30% jump or something. It's, it's completely relative ratings, but they hit a record low on Spike TV, right? That was a record low last week's rating? I believe that's very, right. Very close to. Yep. And yep. this is their... This is, now, granted, it was already in motion, fair enough, but this is their answer. Sting and Bully Ray. Yeah. Yeah. And it is such a... It feels like such a placeholder main event, which yeah, is which part of the problem. To, and it's so true. Like, I mean, because yeah. of, at the end of the day, I... I mean, I said it, like, a while back, like, talking last fall on audio after the deal with AJ happened that I firmly do believe still that the end game is going to be AJ coming out on top with the TNA title come Bound for Glory. But... So you think that's definitely Bound for Glory? I... I can come in? Because that seems to be, like... I mean, I know it's just kind of like inter, like internet noise in terms of, like, rumors and whatnot, but... Well, he try. I mean... I think it's thing. hard to not believe otherwise, too, because he's just... In every segment with Bully Ray, right? That's the best thing I got is that he tries to put all stock into styles. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I uh, turned but, on Impact. I watched Impact from the beginning last night. Hogan, Sting, Hulk Hogan, then Brooke Hogan, then Bully yeah. Ray. Yeah. Again, it's just like podcast but facepalm. I just. Like, it just, it, I, I don't even need to say anything. That just expresses itself that we're in 2013 and we're still dealing with this. It's like we were making these same comments three years ago. The same comments. And it's like nothing has changed. If only we had the exposure, though. That's always the, ex- if only we had the exposure. Granted, our rating is like the half, is like a, what would you say, that point, I think it was a point eight four. What was their peak rating on Spike on Monday? Was it like uh, a 1.6 or something? Uh, 1.5. 1.5? So that's yeah. essentially half. So, like, what does that mean? If only you had the exposure. Yeah. Yeah. And having Hogan and Sting on TV every single week is... It's... 
it's not the answer. It's the reverse of the answer. Like, that's bad. That's a play. That's not good. It's going to completely do the opposite of what you want, the effect you want them to have. But, I mean, it's TNA, and that's what TNA is. So. Yeah, I mean, and it's unfortunate, too, because, like, I mean, I know I said it earlier, but for a period of time last year, it seemed like they were finally starting to get get it a bit in terms of, like, pushing the right guys. Like, when you figure, when you figure Rude was in, uh, I believe, 75% of the pay-per-view main events last year. Obviously, they did the Aries title switch. I mean, they did, uh, they were doing quite a few pretty good things last year, and that's not to say that they were perfect, because they were nowhere near that level. But... I mean, the air, at, at this point, I mean, we're a year later, essentially, almost, you know, next month, or Ju- July. Mm. It will have been since... But Aries was getting built up before that. Yeah. It, it, I mean, you, you essentially have to define it as, like, a lucky mistake. Like, at this point, right? Maybe that's not the word I'm looking for. But they got lucky, and they got a hot guy. I think that was really what it was more than anything else. It's just Aries made it work. It was booked well, but they just got lucky, right? Um, in terms of just, uh, with the way that they handled him? Yeah. I mean, and now looking at how they've continued, like, because when did, the new management came in, like, in the first quarter of last year, right? Right. So, Aries, like, that was the first project, essentially. Like, the big project. And they led to him winning the belt from Rude, then they did the rematch. But then it's like, everything since then has not... It's just been, like, very lame. Mm-hmm. So, it just feels like they got lucky with that first thing that they did. And everything else has just been, again, you know, there. Like, status quo. Yeah. And Basically. like you said, I mean, the best point that you made here is that this match feels like it's filler. You have four pay-per-views a year. What the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. How do you have a filler? You have four pay-per-views and your one of your main events is filler. And, uh, and it's not even like, I mean, like... I had mentioned uh, before that it's like, at the very least, if this were like Bully Ray versus Kurt Angle, it would would not only be a good match, but I feel like it would probably do the same amount of business. I mean, like, uh, just because I... What's weird is, like, they've been building this match too, right? um, For an extended period? Yeah. Kind of, sort of? Yeah, I mean, considering that uh, part of it was the fact that... uh, when Ray back in fall of last year was trying to, you know, earn Hogan's respect and whatnot, Sting was the guy that was the one backing Ray through a lot of that, you know, telling him, you know, oh, give this guy a chance, give this guy a chance. Then that turned out to bite Sting in the ass, you know, something that never happens to Sting ever, ever, ever when he puts faith into something like this. But Mark Olders won't turn on him, it's okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, so once again, we are looking at a situation where Stang has just uh, given too much trust into someone, and now he wants revenge. But I I do firmly believe that he will end up losing here, and hopefully the stipulation for this match actually stays true. Never again challenge? That's essentially what it says. Yeah. For as long as he is part of TNA. Until he wins a match where he can challenge for the belt again. Yeah, or, or perhaps if uh, or perhaps they can try and exploit it. Sting can't challenge for the TNA title, but Steve Steve Borden can. Steve Steve 
Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> so he uh, loops ho- loopholes his way into getting another title shot. But oh, that is a slam anniversary card. TNA, do me a favor and just not be uninteresting. Just that's all I. It's not, and it's not that it's like the product is very predictable, but that's not the problem. It's just so uninteresting, and it's not going to get better. I think that might be it. I think that's my issue, is I just know it's not getting better. Like, maybe they'll do, like... Like, the only hope, and we talked about this, was, like, Saban and Petey Williams and Sanjay Dutt. Like, maybe they can exchange matches. Maybe we'll get Saban and Suicide as TJP on a show, and I can look forward to that. But what else am I going to look forward to? And it's Um, just, even if I do, it's still, it's, like, majority same thing. And it's never going to fall into place where there's going to be one show where it's, like... Aries and AJ for the title, and it's Angle and Daniels for 20 minutes, and it's Saban and PD two out of three falls. Like, that's never going to happen. So it's always just going to be these shows where there's, like, two okay matches because there's enough talent there, and it's like, okay, that could, that could be good. If they actually over-delivered, it could be exceptional. And then there's going to be, like, that one match that I can look forward to. But it's just never going to be, like, a whole, like an entire picture thing or an entire card where it's like, can't wait to see that show. It's just impossible. It also doesn't help that, I mean, the main story that the entire promotion is being built around right now (laughs) is the Aces and Eights as a whole is just like... Well, it's still going. (laughs) That's one thing. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's still going. Absolutely. It has been going now essentially for, I believe, as of next week. Or perhaps, uh, actually, I believe this week, actually, it has been going on for a year now. And Since I believe the I very first the... attack happened uh, around this time one year ago. And uh, what's their record now? I mean, it's got to be something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would actually like to know their record in matches. Oh, here we that go. That would be a fun stat. The stable debuted on the June 14th, 2012 episode of Impact. And it was on so. an Impact. They didn't even do it on a pay-per-view. <laughs> nope. That's funny to me. Oy. So it'll get blown off on Impact. It won't be appropriate. <laughs> it will. Like, the thing is, is that this pay-per-view will be whatever. This is guaranteed, because this is just the trend of wrestling right now. This pay-per-view will be whatever, and then they'll build up that pay-per-view quality Impact in like four, five, six weeks or whatever, and it will, it will have at least three things that are better than anything on this show. It's a guarantee. Backwards formula. What's the purpose of pay-per-view anymore? There is none. (sighs) Things don't get blown off. I mean, like, the only... Like, you're essentially watching a non-commercialized Impact or Raw or SmackDown or Main Event, whatever you want to look at it like. And now you're not even paying for match quality work rate anymore because stuff on TV is almost guaranteed to be better. Yeah. It's just like you're not paying for anything except a show that has a label and then has a card announced beforehand and maybe a main event that will get time and will be good. That's it. And then on Raw, of course, or main event. Main event's the show. Like, that, that show fell off a little bit. It's kind of been up and down recently, a little hit or miss. But then Claudio and Kofi, 
they were like, all right, we're bringing this show back to the promised land. And they were like, 20 minutes, Claudio, just amazing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then, uh, and, well, but at the same time, they do it's have... It's always been a pet peeve of mine. You know that. Like, pay-per-view to TV quality matches, and now there's just, like, there's no difference. None. I guess it doesn't help, too, that WWE, they have so much television time that they have no other option but to give matches time. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, but I'm not complaining. I mean, I like seeing random TV matches that are awesome, but doesn't mean it should outperform a pay-per-view match, or a pay-per-view match isn't put in the same position as these TV matches. It doesn't have to be that way, but it is, because there's a, there's a ceiling and a formula, and that's how it's going to be, at least for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, uh, in the case of TNA, unfortunately, glass ceiling is uh, pretty much the most common thing there. <laughs> I mean, you can ask a whole variety of guys about that at some point in their career, and I'm sure all of them can tell you all about their glass ceilings that they've dealt with. But on more positive note, speaking of guys in ceilings in TNA, or not touched, uh, Tony Nice, you will be interviewing him next week. Yes, I mean, I... I mean, uh, once again, for those of you uh, that will have questions for Tony News, feel free to tweet them at FreeAdmissionFR. But, uh, yes, very much so looking forward to the interview with him, going to uh, talk a whole variety of topics. And, yes, I mean, a perfect example of someone that, unfortunately, was not given the opportunity to really break out in TNA. One of many that has missed out on that opportunity. But... I mean, with that said, Slammiversary should be a show. <laughs> it has a couple. It has more going for it than I can say the last two pay per views that they had had going for it. That's be, that's the positive side. I appreciate that. Yes, I do. Yes. Um, but uh, on a more positive note, not only are you interviewing Tony Nice next week, but we will be in attendance for three of all shows. Yes. So yeah. and they're all very fun looking cards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, really can't say that I have really a complaint about any of the three. And uh, hopefully, we are going to have Friday off as far as we know now, and perhaps, potentially, the first in-studio free admission podcast. Yes. Yes. I mean, which, uh, feel, I mean, we got robbed of that opportunity yeah. in March. And... By a certain individual that will not be named. <laughs> I wish I remember the quote of what I was going to say about him on here, but I forgot it. Yeah. Ah. Well, um, regardless of that, we will end up having this happen, so much more to look forward to with that uh, with uh, the upcoming week I mean, between shows and some great audios coming up. And make sure to follow the site at, at FreeAdmissionFR and follow me at I am Hollywood with two underscores at the end. Changed it up uh, since uh, uh, since I've had my computer hardware issues. Made it a bit easier, at least, until I can finally acquire my so desired name. I'm very disappointed I didn't get to say that, because so often it was I underscore am underscore Hollywood. Yes. Uh, I am Hollywood underscore underscore. Yep. Or underscore yep. times two. I yeah, think. exactly. That works perfect. <laughs> See, it's much easier to say. Much yeah. easier. And, uh, I mean... Not quite as easy as your Twitter name, which is at Ben Turpin. So follow him there. Everybody should use their real name on Twitter. I would if I could. 
I mean, yeah, the problem with Twitter is they take an ex- like very very long to respond to anything. So, yep. At this rate, you will probably get a response at, at Christmas if you're lucky. <laughs> and uh, maybe you could be at JP Nichols by then, or at just I am Hollywood. Yeah. Yes, I mean uh, one or the other. I would be fine with. I mean, you know, the less underscores in my name, the better, as far as yep. I'm concerned. But uh, that wraps it up, I suppose, for today. Unless you have any final closing thoughts, Ben. No, TNA. I don't. I don't know if my passion came across uh, as uh, as vehement as uh, maybe I would have wanted. But uh... well, I feel like it partially was hindered by the fact that. Uh, this show, as an example, does not have a Matt Morgan pay-per-view main event. Yeah, so we didn't get to talk about Matt Morgan at all, huh? No, we did, did not. Think, well, we did here. That's enough. That's all he needs to be talked about. Because I don't want to get any more angry than I already am. <laughs> I mean, I'm clearly angry, obviously. No. Uh, but, yeah, my Twitter, Ben Turpin, as you already said. And, uh, yeah, two audios in two days. Actually, yes. three and maybe five, four, four, five days span, so I'm pretty proud of that. But yeah, freeadmissionfr.com, and I think we can go away now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, well, I mean, uh, well, I mean, well, it's a matter of, you know, now that I have my hardware up and working now with my computer, there will be much more in terms of audio for me, at least. I, I bet, I've been very much so annoyed over the fact that I've had this computer issue because it's really taken away from this. Perhaps the return of the Jeremy Borash approved. What? What's the name of the show? Uh, be nice to impact. Be or... nice to impact or not. That's right. <laughs>